We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can now get Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. So you can all come, come down, build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef burger, add all the toppings you want, and enjoy the watch parties with the finest beef. Hassle Cattle is now offering DNVR listeners a buy three, get one free on their flank steaks. These delicious steaks are lean and very flavorful. They should be thinly sliced against the grain with carving, and they're an ideal choice if you're looking to marinate. These steaks are super affordable already at $9.99, and now you can buy three and get one free when you use the code DNVRFLANK at checkout. That's D-N-V-R-F-L-A-N-K at checkout for your buy three, get one free. And you can still use the DMVR10 code for 10% off your order. Uh, Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best in Wagyu beef. Uh, they call theirs the blue collar Wagyu because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Um, they, they are based out of Texas. They're a fourth generation cattle farm and they ship all over the United States. They've won awards with so many of their products. So make sure that you go to HassleCattleCompany.com and check them out. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Remember, use that promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. Or use the code DNVRFLANK for buy three, get one free flank sticks. Booyah. Very professional read from the Hankster. We're back, Draft Pod. You know the dealio. Full-fledged off-season now, fellas. Um... But it never ends for us, and I'm actually kind of getting excited about some Broncos stuff. So we're going to look at this roster, look ahead. What are the spots that uh, might be real needs in 2022? But first, we'll open up with uh, Keon Johnson, the stud wing out of Tennessee. We're talking basketball, folks. Just shattered the vert jump record in the NBA. Was that at the Combine, Justin? You're kind of our yeah. college hoops expert. Yeah, NBA Combine the last couple of days. Um, it'll continue throughout the, the rest of the week. But in a four-foot vertical, can you can you imagine being able to just jump out of the room like that? Freaking That's a small inches? child. That's a it's big crazy. child, actually. Yeah, that's a large child. That's a <laughs> preteen. Yeah, Lucia's three, and she's three feet tall. And she's a pretty tall girl. Um, so, yeah, that's that's clearing a lot. And, uh, boy, that kid is just a freak. He shatters the record by two and a half inches, um, which is crazy. That means that previously, um, prior to Johnson's jump, the... NFL has actually had um, higher vertical jumpers. And it's kind of crazy to look at both these lists of guys who have held records for the NFL and NBA combines in vert jumps. It's not outstanding. Uh, Gerald Sensabaugh, the safety out of UNC, held the rec- holds the record for the NFL with 46 inches. Of course, this offseason we had... Uh, the really hard to pronounce wide receiver out of Illinois transferred from USC who actually beat that 46 and a half. That wasn't officially at the combine though. Um, the ones that really stand out here for the NFL are Cam Wake 45 and a half at 236 pounds guys. That is That's kind of hard insane. to fathom. That's Zion-esque. It, it is Zion-esque. 
hard to fathom that as well. Um, but yeah, it's Zion-esque at that size. And then you have, you know, everyone's going to remember Byron Jones, 44 and a half, Obi Millen Fonwu, 44. Um, Marcus Williams, 43 and a half, really stands out here. He's kind of the classic when I think of like safeties in the third through fifth rounds who end up sticking as single highs or what have you. And it's more instincts than talent. But geez, when a guy's jumping 43 inches, and it reminds me of Justin Simmons who jumped 40 inches. Another guy who it's like, well, he's steady Eddie, but does he have really great talent? But then he jumps a 40-inch vertical. Justin Simmons also had some outstanding three-cone drills. And it makes me think of Caden Stearns, another guy who jumped out the gym, like 42, 43-inch vertical. Um, So really at the safety position is where you're seeing it kind of translate the most. Think about somebody as athletic as Simmons and then think about somebody jumping a full half foot higher than him because that's what just happened. Like, Six, that's a substantial difference. I mean, to shatter the record by two and a half inches in its own right is significant. That'd be like breaking a a touchdown passing record by like 15 or 20 or something, just completely shattering it. I I, I don't even understand it. Half an inch or an inch is enough to make a play over another guy. So six inches is pretty substantial. Um, Also, I want to mention Rondale Moore also jumped to 42 and a half um, last year. Yeah, and I mean, we see like a guy on like Speedy Knoll is on this list of top NFL guys. um, Man, and like the NBA, Nate Robinson, fifth all-time, 43 and a half. Muggsy Bogues, 44.3, third all-time. Shane Larkin, who quickly was exited out of the NBA and should probably be back, um, 44-inch vertical. So really in the NBA, where you're seeing it is translate to really small guards who are having to make up for that gap. Um, what was Nate Robinson's? 43 and a half? Mm-hmm. 43 and a half. So again, like Caden Stearns at 6'2", 202 is jumping with Nate Robinson. And think of Nate Robinson. We're talking about one of the freakiest dunkers NBA history. Three-time NBA dunk competition winner, Nate Robinson. I'd like to see what Caden Stearns could do in on a, on a basketball court. I bet he could throw down. I mean, it really goes to Definitely. show you, though, that the athleticism these cats have, especially in the secondary, is very comparable to some of your most explosive wings in the association. Um, do you think we'll ever see a 50-inch vertical? Yes. After today, after today, I think it's uh, honestly, I think five years that it'll happen. That's okay. That's bold. Yeah, but uh, it's just like that could happen, not the timeline. (laughs) It's insane. (laughs) It's wild. But that you know, that's how we work. As soon as someone pulls off a nine hundred, two years later, three kids are doing ten eighties. It's the beauty of the evolution of sports. Now, from a draft perspective. I'm not sure the evidence here shows that much of this translates. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that what I've learned in this process is that I don't care what your vertical is, unless it's basketball. In basketball, there seems to be some correlation, but like, but even then, I care a little bit at DB. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't want to. I don't want a safety that's coming out with like a 33 inch vertical or something. Yeah, but but it, more so, I mean, these are just the big numbers. And and that means to me, like, when somebody just puts up a crazy number in the vertical in the combine, have to remember, like, 
it's rare that you jump in football unless you're a DB, I guess. But like Cameron Wake getting passed over for a 45 and a half inch vertical. Obviously, they shouldn't have passed him over. But at the same time, he doesn't jump all that much, you know? I mean, it, it shows that there's explosion and that kind of stuff, right. too. It's the lower but half explosion. It doesn't yeah. seem like it translates more often than not. I mean, all in context, right? If you see a number that's this crazy, you kind of just you know put a little tick on it and keep it in mind. That's all. Especially with guys like Justin Simmons, like Marcus Williams, the steady eddies who seem to check off every box and you're like, well, but do they have the explosiveness? Then they do stuff like that. It it, it should kind of change your perspective, rewire how you think about it. Um, it's kind of similar to Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson has amazing dunks, but where I really think this athleticism transfers translates most is on-ball defense, where he can yep. do freaky stuff at 6'5". All right, cool. That was uh, that was fun. As we mentioned, we are going to get into um, the biggest Broncos needs going into the 2022 season and kind of give you some hot names that we've got our eyes on to fill those needs. And um, I think we're going to close out this segment with our top need on the roster right now. And uh, then we'll go into segment two with... Uh, the next two, and then we'll close it out with kind of uh, the lower level needs and other closing thoughts. So that's what we've got on the docket. Jake, get it out the way. What's the top need for the Broncos? Oh, man. Um, you really have to go to me first. I don't want to be well, the guy that says quarterback, but I mean. That's why we go to, we're going to get it out the way. You know, <laughs> we're going to take our vitamin in the morning so that we can move on and have breakfast. Yeah, I mean, just the way things stand, I'm sure we're expecting at least some improvement at quarterback this year, which would be nice. But um, I think we're kind of all thinking in the same boat here that the Broncos still need a long-term option at quarterback. And that's probably where I would say the biggest need on the roster is hopefully, I mean, all the reports are locks looking good, Bridgewater's looking good, but I don't know if that's enough to really, you know, take care of quarterback for 22 and beyond. And what, bridge, none of us are at train. Oh, go ahead, Trey. No, Bridgewater expiring in 22, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Locke 23. And, you know, of course, with Locke, we, you're on house money now on a rookie deal. Yeah. It's time to plan ahead. Um, so this is really a, a big season. And the other caveat in this, and I'm sure you're go, you were kind of going into this with we're not at training camp, Justin, is yeah. uh these guys perform well enough. <laughs> Where are you left with the quarterback options? Because all goes well. I don't think this team's drafting in the top 10 again. And as we know, the quarterback market, very hot in the top 10, gets a lot trickier out of there. Um, and maybe you look good enough and you give Locke another year and the play is load up on 2023 assets when the DJ Ugaleles and Young from Bama and those other guys then start to be on the docket. Um, so, you know, I, I know George Payton's thinking long-term like this, but yeah, that's the big question going into this year. I think it also Who, depends uh, too. Who's your gut um, starter right now? Just before we move on, like, is it Bridgewater or Locke as of right now? What, what's your gut saying? I mean, I know we're, we're not at training camp. You know, the Broncos guys are. They, they're obviously, they get to see it every day, but just based on what you're reading, and what does your gut say? Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say Locke. I think the organization believes a lot in him still. I think they're, 
I think that's just the best way the Broncos are the best team they can possibly be this year is if Locke kind of takes that next step. And I think that's what everyone's really kind of banking on. Um, Bridgewater's just kind of there in case the floor falls out from under him. Yeah, I, uh, so I went back and watched the Panthers Chiefs game yesterday. And, uh, that's the one like the Chiefs won 33 31. And it's just the end of the game. Teddy's got the ball and he can't get that ball downfield. Like, like it doesn't matter that it's a two point game with like a minute left and they need like 40 yards to go get a field goal. There just isn't quite enough juice in the tank to go out and win games in those situations. And I think that that's what you have to be looking for in a starting quarterback is somebody who can go win you games. So at this very moment, I'm, I'm feeling like Drew is the guy just because he gives you a chance in situations where I don't think Teddy does. But who knows? Maybe that means that you put Teddy out there and if things are just a little bit ugly, you, you put him on the bench and pull Drew out and see if, some, if, if there's a spark. And that could be the theory at the start of the season. I mean, I find it interesting. Early reports kind of feel like we're, we're they are what we thought they were, um, which is like they're like the yin and yang of quarterback, man. Um, so it's exactly what Henry thought they were. It's exactly what Henry's saying. Do you want? Do you want the guy who can get you within two points of beating KC, but then might not have the juice in the tank to pull off that two minute drive and actually like squeeze those tight window throws and get away from pressure on third down to, you know, stay alive and extend the play. Or do you go with Drew who might just be hot and hit some, some first reads because he's more familiar with the Shermer offense and processing more, but might still get a little too aggressive. Um, and, you know, it is going to be the more turnover prone quarterback of the two. So I don't know, man. Go ahead, Jake. Another thing, I mean, we don't really know the future of the team in terms of the coaching staff also. I mean, Vangio's yep. Thank you. He's coaching as, for his job here. Yeah, he really is. I mean, and it's Peyton kind of put him in a tough situation, but then again, he's got all these defensive weapons and he's defensive head coach. But still, we could be looking at a, you know, a complete philosophical shift of the team um, in about a year and you know, if they bring in an offensive-minded coach, he's going to want his guy at quarterback, and it could just completely shake everything up. Yeah, I think they very much got the circumstances to try and compete. Um, there's a lot of, like, big deal guys who will expire next year that we're going to get into on this needs episode. Um, so he's he's got a window now to compete. And that's why, like, gun to my head, I would give the slimmest edge to Bridgewater. Um, me too. I think you lean on the veteran. I, th- I I agree with everything that both of you guys just said. And personally, I hope that it's Locke because, I, like Jake said, I think this team's ceiling is highest with Drew Locke taking his game to the next level, kind of branching off of what we saw in that that first initial stretch when he took over the job and you know, caught everybody by storm. Yeah. you know, back in uh, 2019 or whatever. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It, it kind of feels like if you're Fangio and you're looking at the situation, obviously Peyton's job is safe for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not feeling super confident. I mean, you would hope that that wouldn't be the only thing that he has in the back of his mind when making these decisions, because when coaches in any sport are only coaching not to lose their job, your ceiling is just not going to be very high, but I don't, 
it just, it feels natural. I, I feel like they're going to lean on the veteran. Well, and we've been saying it for so long that I think we hardly believe it anymore in the post Peyton Manning era, but it, there is a route where this team can win with a, you know, a, an elite defense and more of a ground control um, offense where at the same time, maybe it's a, you know, a game managing quarterback, but you've got some guys who can break big plays, whether it's at running back, tight end, wide receiver. Um, so, you know, you get enough big plays, this offense could compete that way. And if that's the model you're following, I think it's Bridgewater. Also, I mean, it's kind of like the Adazio way at CSU, to be honest, like sure. ground and pound. We're going to play good defense. We're going to try and have ball control. We're going to try and dominate time of possession. But with the way that the rules favor passing offense and like really incentivize taking shots downfield. I don't know. I, just, I don't know, if, especially when you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes. You could have a great defense and still lose 23 to 20 just because you don't put enough points on the board. So it's just, what do you do? You're kind of between a, a rock and a hard place here. Just given the experience of the two guys, wouldn't it be easier to start with Locke and transition to Bridgewater rather than going the other way, right? I mean, you don't really want to kind of crush Locke's confidence a bit and not start him immediately and then kind of bring him back into the fold. I mean, they're, they're professionals, so I don't want to say like, his confidence is fragile or anything, but just, I think that would be the most natural way to go about it. Wouldn't you think? That is a part of coaching though, is, is balancing the emotions and, you know, knowing what type of egos your players have and dealing. I mean, I think it's probably a bigger factor in, in basketball than football, but definitely the quarterback position. I mean, it's a, it's a fragile thing. Yeah. I, I could see it going either way. I think, you know, it would make sense if you want to give Drew a shot and say, okay, let's see if you can protect the ball enough because we we don't want to turn the ball over. We want to trust the defense. We don't want you to ruin this game for us. But if you're not going to do it, obviously all the things you provide better than what Teddy provides. So I could see them going out and trying it, especially with like what the, the first three games, the Broncos should win very easily in my opinion. Like you look at those teams, I not scary. Um, and so maybe you do try to get away with some mistakes from Drew or at the same time you say, we need to win those games. Teddy's not going to turn the ball over. And as long as we don't turn the ball over, we'll be just fine. And then if something goes wrong, you can put Drew in. So I think you could, I, I could see it going either way. I, I totally get what you're saying, Jake. I think bottom line though, is, you know, you also have a, the rest of the locker room to worry about. Um, so you're going to have to give it to the guy who's who competes and earns the job um, from now until week one. So preseason is going to be huge. I can't believe we actually get preseason. Thank God. I oh. love preseason football. Everybody complains, but it's it is fun. so good. It's yeah, fun. it's so fun. You get to see all these new people. Well, with the depth this roster has and the QB battle, um, mm -hmm. it should actually be good. And look, uh, this is the one spot where I'm not, I wouldn't even take too much time to revisit the prospects. I tell you to go back and listen to our top 10 yeah. preview last week, where I think between the four of us, we must have had like seven different quarterbacks probably featured in there. So it, there isn't a top guy necessarily, um, but there are a lot of names and it's going to be a wide open uh, season, you know, especially with like the teams out West barely playing any sort of schedule. No, 
out of conference. It was just such a whack year. We're going to have guys explode and emerge in much more normal circumstances. So it's going to be exciting. Um, not, not just monitoring the Broncos in-house quarterback talent and how that evolves, but all the talent that's going to be showcased in the NCAA this year. Um, all right, so we got that out the way. We took our vitamin. Let's go. Uh, we'll take a potty break, and uh, and then we'll be right back for the bigger needs, our substantial breakfast. We'll get our protein in. Um, we'll see if the boys want bacon, sausage, or maybe a glizzy on their breakfast egg. These are all analogy, folks. We're paying the bills real quick, and we'll be right back. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but it's also America's top-rated sportsbook. Um, it's easy to navigate. There's instructions for new betters, nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. I use DraftKings Sportsbook. I know these guys use DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, friends and family, they all use DraftKings because, again, it is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Um, a couple weeks ago, John Rom was about to win the Memorial uh, Tournament uh, in golf. He had a six-shot lead going into the final round, but then tested positive for COVID, had to pull out when it was obvious he was going to win that tournament. And what did DraftKings do? They paid off every single person who had a John Ron bet, whether it was to win the tournament, whether it was for him to be better than some other golfer, or whatever your bet on John Ron was, they paid it out. That is why we trust DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, they have an awesome offer. You pick any basketball team that's still playing, you bet $1 on them to win their next game, and if that team wins, you get $100 in site credits. Uh, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds promotions on baseball, hockey, so much more all week long. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable. You can deposit or draw your funds at your convenience. So. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMBR when you sign up and turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you'll claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code DMBR for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, want to give a shout out to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, if you're looking for a new dentist, we've actually had a bunch of our subscribers make uh, Green Mountain Dental Group their new, just full-time family dentist. Um, they themselves are a family dentistry. It's a local business that you can be happier supporting. Conveniently located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in uh, Lakewood. Uh, they're, they're seriously, they're great dentistry. Uh, they're huge Colorado sports fans. That's why they advertise with us. And uh, a couple of the people who we work with have had some great experiences. Allie and Lindsay both had their wisdom teeth out really uh really spoke highly of the care that they received from green mountain dental group how they checked in on them every couple days making sure that they have all the beds they need all that kind of stuff and the best part is that if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam you'll receive a free sonicare toothbrush uh, so make sure that you take advantage of that deal uh, tweet at us when you go there tag us tag them um and show this community or show them how this community can support our biggest supporters Nice. Love him. Nice. Good stuff. Um, all right, folks. We got that out the way. 
now um now we really get to dig into the roster though i guess maybe the second need is the one other gift and then the conversation commences um hank reads aside we haven't heard enough from you so what would be your i mean you can share your top two if you'd like uh i assume quarterbacks the top but uh yeah i I I just can't even include quarterback on these kind of lists mm-hmm. just because it's so weird. Like it's yeah. so different than every other position that like totally. if you I think that you can make the argument that like 20 teams, their biggest need should be quarterback because mm-hmm. what they have isn't good enough. You could there's it's it's tough to just fit in with everything else. Um outside of quarterback though, my number one is uh it's inside linebacker. I think mm-hmm. you look at this roster today, um and, and what is most disappointing when you look at it? It has to be the inside linebacker spot with Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell. And part of that is because you just have so much talent in so many other places, but there's a hole there. And I would have said that that's kind of the biggest need coming into this season. Um, or again, quarterback situation being its own separate thing. Um, but then AJ and Josie Jewell are on expiring contracts. Yes. So when you find the fact that they aren't the most inspiring duo in a position where the Broncos have struggled for as long as they've struggled, and then add in the fact that you're not even guaranteed to have either of them next year, I mean, yep. that to me is is the, the glaring need, especially when you have a really good defense around it. Great point. Yeah. I'm, uh, I mean, you kind of sold me there. I, It'll be really interesting to see what happens at linebacker. Like, mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah. Because um, despite the talent on paper not being the most exhilarating, Vic Fangio's defense has kept two inside linebackers on the field almost no matter what. Um, and now you have all the DBs to get creative. You have three knock-on-wood hopefully healthy edge rushers to get creative with some NASCAR fronts. You have a little more depth on the D-line. So now all that strength in all those other areas, are you still going to keep AJ and Josie on the field? And then to me, Baron Browning is such a huge prospect in this, right? Like uh, we're all pretty excited about him, but he's already getting the Hollins treatment. Where it's like, well, is he on edge? Is he an inside linebacker? And, you know, Von Miller's going to also expire in 2022. So is Browning going to replace Von? Or is he going to fill in seamlessly for Josie Jewell? As I think most of us agree, um, that might be the best spot. Um, before we we kind of go around with other people's second needs or what have you, I doubt we have a consensus here. Um, fair to say, Christian Harris out of Alabama, top guy in the in this class, linebacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it kind of depends. That close, to be honest. Kind of depends. How do you feel about the Notre Dame like two fourteen safety? We're yeah. gonna have the JOK combo all over again, probably. Only he's way bigger. He's much more Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I, I should actually say the dude's name. Um, and then Devin Lloyd, Hank, Utah. Yeah. 
Pac-12 stand up. He's that kind yeah. of backer, you know. Surprisingly, he kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't supposed to be like the good one, but then he turned out to be a, the good one. Um, he's he's solid for him. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of Utah last year just because of the way the schedule lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's a good guy to go after. Um, that uh, let's see who else is good in the Pac-12. Uh, USC has a guy. I can't remember his name. I should try to find that. Um, but he's he's a big, long linebacker who... Uh, I'm not Drake Jackson? No, no, he's the edge. But he's obviously really good, too. Um, I'll see if I can find this guy's name. Um, but, yeah. but he's the other one that comes to my mind. George has lost a couple guys. Have you not said Nate Landman's name yet, Hank? Yeah, I mean, I mean, because if you're looking at Josie Jewell and saying we need to upgrade... <laughs> Nate Landman is just uh, personally, I think a much better version of that kind of linebacker, but what the Broncos are missing is, uh, is the, the cover ability. And again, like in the college game, there is, there is nobody in the PAC 12 who compares to Nate Landman's impact on the field. When you're looking at NFL prospects, that's where you look around and see, you know, like that's where Devin Lloyd, he goes from a, a step behind to a step ahead just because there is more mobility, more coverability. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nate Landman, he could absolutely fill a role. I mean, and, and I guess I think the way that he comes into play is if you see good things from Justin or not in coverage and say, okay, we're ready to move on from AJ and Josie. Cause I don't think Nate's a good match to pair with either of them. Um, but Sternod looks real good. We need to pair him with a tackler. And that's where a guy like Nate in the third round seems like a, a very good option more of an aj johnson replacement um but you know it's kind of the usual suspects i think georgia's got a couple guys um alabama definitely has christian harris people are high on the transfer from tennessee henry tutu it's t-o apostrophe um yeah i like cox at florida uh christian cox or brenton cox excuse me they also have ventrell miller too a guy who was very impactful last year there you go. So, uh, you know, turn on some SEC Saturdays and you'll find some guys to fill in. Um, Good linebackers in the SEC. Shocking. Yeah. Aaron Hansker, right. um, Texas A&M as well. A guy Hank will be able to see live hmm. against the Buffs very early in the season as well. Um, so, yeah. uh, USC guy's name, Kanai Mauga. Okay. It's time to remember that one. We'll see a lot Good of recovery. pop up. Um, Time for me to remember that one. <laughs> from the pack and stuff. And then again, I mean, like Lloyd and Kyle Hamilton, this 219 pound safety out of Notre Dame. Those are the guys that are more intriguing if you want to kind of move this linebacker position forward into more like coverability and versatility in all areas, you know. Um, because certainly Johnson and Jewel have been phenomenal. I think it's a big reason why, despite um, so many of the injuries up front, the Broncos haven't had too many disastrous games on run defense. They have like one every year, but that's about it. Um, and I think those backers are a big part. So we can't undermine that area of the game. But still, I, I think us as draft guys, especially, we're kind of ready to move into uh, modern football at the linebacker position. It's passing offenses are too good in the AFC West to not. You got to go against Mahomes, Herbert, and Derek Carr, who's one of the more underrated passing quarterbacks, at least statistically, over the last couple of years. 
Yeah. And, and, and what, like when you look at this, the way roster is built, it's it's for Justin Sternod to be the cover guy. It's like so that so that he is your first guy off the bench and sub packages. He goes out there and covers. And then also when you're in that base three four, depending on the opponent, you might have him out there too because he's uh, he's somebody who can actually cover. So if he can become that versatile piece, then maybe you see how things work. And Baron Browning too. He just I, we have to see what he can actually contribute. The same thing with Sternod, I guess, but Sternod, you, he projects as that kind of guy, whereas Baron Brown, it's like, is he an outside linebacker? Is he an inside linebacker? So that's why I'm more downhill, so. like go after the QB yep. type guy to me. Yep. yep. So, um, all right. Justin, why don't you give us your, uh, would those be your top two needs, quarterback, linebacker, off ball? Uh, quarterback, and then I actually have offensive tackle as the other biggest need. I think you're hyped about what Garrett Bowles has done in the last season and a half, but he's already 29 years old. You worry about longevity. You worry about depth. Worst case, you know, you go out and you find somebody that can start at right tackle. I know they brought in a lot of veterans this year, and they were able to get, you know, a good haul of guys at a good price. And if one of those guys ends up panning out, maybe tackle's not quite such a pressing need next year. But, I mean, if you can go out and get a guy like, you know, Evan Neal, who I think is obviously going to probably go higher than Mm -hmm. what the Broncos will ultimately pick out of Alabama. He's got the versatility. He's playing on the right side. Now he's going to play on the left side. Size, strength, experience. You know, somebody like, uh, I don't know, like Rasheed Walker out of of Penn State. He could have come out this year, decided to come back. I want to see more consistency from him, but the fact that he's coming back, I think is going to give him a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one guy I'm really excited about is Charles Cross. He was a freshman at Mississippi State last year, uh, freshman all SEC, started every game. I know we're a little skeptical of pro football focus and some other stuff, but they ranked him as the fourth best pass blocking offensive tackle last year, mm-hmm. finished as their highest graded lineman in five different games. And, and what really stood out to me is he played really good football. In their, in their biggest games. He was great in that win over LSU, played well against Alabama, had a good game at Ole Miss. So, you know, a, a guy that's that big, 6'5", 270, as a true freshman, you know, he's only going to get bigger from here. He's only going to get more experienced. And and like I said, I just, I think the depth in the trenches is, is a big concern moving forward. It's huge, man. And a guy like Cross, who, you know, redshirt freshman, pops so much. That's why he's eligible now. You put him in like Mike Munchak's hands. Woo! Um, and Ohio State's got Thyron Mumford who came back. Um, there's some real talent. And I'm with you 100%. I think right tackle, they really kind of landed on their feet by getting Fleming and Massey. Um, you could do a lot worse. Like, you know, you could just have like Juwan James injured and be stuck with Quinn Bailey or Calvin Anderson. Um, but still, like, this has been a need for way too long. I'm with you 100%. I could argue that mm, I think Henry's right. Like, there really is just the haves and have nots on quarterback. So it's almost like if you don't have a top 10 QB, you're at least flirting with other options. 100%. Um, You know, uh, see what Sean, how Sean McBay spent his offseason, the good tactics. Um, And so, right. That's, but yeah, to me, the biggest non QB need is right tackle, 100%. And think like, you know, we, you can talk at nauseum about wanting to build your defense and your team around ball possession and defense and this and that. If you don't have a right tackle to run behind, 
that guy's just getting blown up every single play. It's hard to establish that identity. Go look at the Saints and what they've done under Sean Payton as Drew Brees' age. There are three first-round picks. Then there's a center who tested off the charts at the Combine. He's a day-two pick. And one of the best left tackles in the league who was a high-upside play they were able to get on day-two as well. Um, but So you're essentially talking about four first-rounders and a center who you spent as high a pick as you can really spend on a center. You want to establish a certain identity. You can't talk about it. You've got to be about it. Um, and just, you know, just tossing 20 million to the Menelik Watsons of the world is a cut. So I think, uh, I think right tackle, when we've had back-to-back really strong offensive tackle classes, very intrigued by this one. Jackson Kirkland in Washington. I mean, there, there is talent in this offensive tackle class. Um, so yeah, that's by far the second biggest need or, Need one B for me, um, Jake. Before we move on, I, real quick, sure, sure. I'll play devil's advocate here. The reason I didn't have right tackle there, and they were kind of like we include quarterback, kind of like tied for number three for me. We'll get there in a bit. The reason why is because compared to other positions like inside linebacker, I like the depth on the offensive line a little bit more. And and to be honest, at this point, there's five guys I like. You you've got. Uh, Bulls, Reisner, Cushenberry, Miners, and Natani Moody. And because I'm higher on like the Natani Moody type thing, I think that there's a world where you have good competition for that right tackle spot. You know, whether it means like you kick Reisner out there um, and he works and you have the rest of that line put together. You have Calvin Anderson, who some people are excited about. Uh, that is the little tiebreaker for me that made me say like, I, I think linebacker is more pressing just because to me, you have what five good offensive linemen plus glass Glasgow and whoever else at this point. No, those are good. Do you feel good, good about points. it for the next three years? Yeah, honestly, kind of, I mean, you, you still need to see Cushionberry take that step and minors be the guy, but, but I'm real high on Moody. And if Moody's good, I think you could just throw Reisner over there. And that is something that I would be interested in doing, especially seeing how Reisner struggled a little bit last year. Yeah, I think it really nailed it, Hank. Um, even got me kind of reconsidering a bit. But I had him um, 1-2 quarterback and right tackle also. Yeah. Um, the one I'd go after that, actually, though, was corner. Um, I know they heavily invested this offseason and drafted Pat Sertain. But Bryce Callahan's a free agent. They only signed Kyle Fuller for a year. Yep. Um, you're really kind of banking on Sertan to kind of just be who he was advertised to be and then really hoping that Ojemudia or Basie, someone, uh, one of those younger guys, uh, just kind of takes the next step in order to really not reinvest in corner this time next year. So it's just, uh, and you can't have enough corners either. So that's why I've got corner up, up there. Good class too. A lot of intriguing guys coming out. You got Stingley at LSU and Neil at Florida. Like there's some really, you know, elite prospect one type cornerbacks. Corners. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Stingley and Elam might be out of the picture, but you got Banks at Ohio State. You got Job out of Alabama, uh, Booth Jr. out of Clemson, and then Darius Kendrick from Clemson transferred to Georgia. So there's some guys in that kind of late round one, round two range too. It's going to be. They're going to have guys available in that range if they're picking there. Yep. No, I'm 
I'm with you. I'm I'm intrigued by Mikhail Wright, Josh Job, Bama's there. Um Ahmad Gardner, Cincinnati too. Um but yeah, you're right. I mean and Darby's gonna have to prove that he's worth it. You know, you might mm-hmm. feel like he's more yeah. of a cornerback three than a reliable cornerback two. And you're going to see how much Sertan is going to get like NFL experience this year because it, it could be that he's only on the field for like 150 snaps in his first year. And all of a sudden, 2022, all right, you're CB1 on this team. You know, that's a harsh transition, even for a guy like him in uh, after one year of, you know, kind of wetting your toes a little bit. Um and then, yeah, O.J. Moody, Bassey factor into all that. You'll lose Duke Dawson as well if he even makes the team. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, you'll you'll lose Kareem Jackson as well. Maybe O.J. Moody yeah. is a better fit in the box as a strong safety, replacing him rather than as your next third corner. Well, Dre, you had a tweet around draft time. I mean, Caden Stearns could be a corner too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, or at... Right, at least that like moldable DB that factors into both those um, rooms and shoot Jamar Johnson as well. Jamar Johnson's one of those guys who's a real factor. So to me, one of the most interesting storylines and it factors into linebacker as we were talking earlier is really how are they going to use all this depth at defensive back? And it's depth that's going to be swallowed up like that. In 2022, it's not going to be there anymore. Um, you're yeah. going to go from four safeties to three and kind of figuring it out. You're going to go from like five NFL starter level corners to just like two. Um, so it's, it's going to be a quick transition, but how they take advantage of that depth this year is going to be just fascinating to me. Um, yeah. I mean, I still really do think like knock on wood and all that, but there's just going to be at any given point, one or two guys who aren't able to go from that secondary. And that's going to sort everything out for itself. But I am glad you guys brought up those safeties. Yeah. Cause that's the other one. Like I, I could, I almost just want to say like a DBs, like there's a bunch of different ways you could go about it, but, but DBs are very high on the list and you're probably looking for more of those versatile guys that, that Vic likes and playing Caden Stearns or Juwan Johnson at those corner spots going back to more zones so that you do have that versatility. I think that's what makes a, a lot of sense to me. But if they don't bring, bring back Kareem Jackson, I have a tough time believing Jawan Johnson or Caden Stearns is going to prove that they are worthy of just being a, a starter at any point this season so you don't go after a safety in the offseason. I mean, Jawan or Jamar? Jamar. Oh, Jer- Jamar. Just, I, think we combi- I think you combined Jawan James with Jamar Johnson. I've said um, I've said Jawan a couple times on this podcast. Nice. Uh, yeah, they drafted five, four DBs, so they they're trying to think ahead and address that need um, now. And hopefully, you know, guys like Harry Vincent Stearns factor into this to where it is less of a need. But I think it is a major question mark. It'd be kind of surprising if they didn't extend one of Fuller or Callahan, though. I, I, I don't so. see a situation that's yeah. very likely where they're both back in 2022, but I'd be pretty surprised if at least one of them isn't back. My Is it more Fuller. likely that, so So you have uh, Callahan, you've got Fuller, and also Kareem Jackson expiring. 
more likely you get one of those guys back or two? One. Um, I think Trey Jackson, one. you're looking at the age, too. Yeah, but that's also probably why he's going to be cheaper than what you're paying him before. I mean, it I all ties know. into each other, right? Because yeah. another position I wanted to bring up was edge. Obviously, you're going to have yes. the Von Miller decision, so uh, you're going to have to decide if he's worth bringing back. And it's it's not going to be the price tag it was in 2015, but it's not going to be a cheap price tag if you bring Vaughn back. And then yeah. the next year, you've got Chubb expiring, yeah. too. Yeah, and that would be a tough decision if he goes out and puts up 12 sacks and somebody wants to pay him big money and the Broncos say, eh, we're not quite so sure. He hasn't quite lived up to being the new highest paid defensive player. So that could be one where you're just forced out by the market. Is he a trade candidate this year? I mean, you've got two years to figure it out. I, I think yeah. more Vaughn, I guess I should ask. If, if it looks like you're not going to re-sign Vaughn, do you trade him and take that PR hit? Because obviously, Broncos fans are going to be pissed if you trade Vaughn Miller. Or they're going to be pissed if you let him walk, too, but at least you get something in return. Yeah, and you, you saw get, the last front office do it with uh, Demarius Thomas. Yes, that's exactly who I was thinking of. But, I mean, if you get Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers and the prices to give up Vaughn Miller on an expiring contract, you got to take that, though. For sure. And I, I would say Chubb is not a trade candidate just because you don't see players get traded all that often. And I think that the threshold to be traded, it takes a lot more than the situation that Chubb is in more often than not. Yeah, and I mean, in all of this is if they were able to get an Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. Sure. All these options are now gone. True. Yeah. Resigning Fuller no longer on the table. Resigning Vaughn no longer on the table unless it's completely restructured front-loaded discount hometown deal because he's all in on winning it for one more year. Um, all of a sudden, your constraints become tighter. The names we've said, draft-wise, a lot of them aren't going to be applicable. You're going to have to become, like, your outlook changes completely. Um, and again, this year, you'd really have to be all in on winning now because things dry up pretty quickly. Um, it, which seems wild in a team that hasn't been that good recently. A half decade. That's, I mean, this going back to April, this is kind of why I thought it was a no-brainer to draft Justin Fields or someone at quarterback when they're picking at nine, just because you're going to have to deal with so many positions with expiring contracts, not really knowing the future landscape of this team. It's It's time now more than ever to really transition to getting that quarterback that can kind of shoulder more of the load just because you're not going to be able to keep drafting and replacing every single position. You're going to have to have quarterback kind of take over here at some point. At the same time, though, if they take quarterback instead of corner, then what are we saying about corner going into next offseason? Yeah. And it's probably the biggest need. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I think he was, I think the game plan is to give this Vic and this team another year and see how drastically you need to tear the thing down or what foundational pieces you have on the roster to kind of build around. Do you um, guys have any hope that, that A-Raj lands in Denver still? Because I've kind of oh, yeah. given up on that at this point. I think I'm back down under 50-50. But again, like it's not like the reports are cooling off. Like You still have like the people who are talking about it. Like What Albright said, it was like 60% in his mind like last week. 
just because there isn't like news breaking, like we, we knew that there would not be news breaking through this stretch. Like if it's going to happen, it's going to be probably right around training camp when he doesn't show up and the Packers have to bite the bullet. I, I guess what I really think happens is he doesn't show up and the Packers just say, nope, you're retired. We don't want to take a $30 million cap hit for trading you in exchange for whatever, three first and Chubb and Judy. But that that's what scares me, is the fact that they'll just say, no, go retire. This is why I think all along Deshaun Watson's been a more attractive option. Obviously, you have the off-the-field stuff, but yeah. he's a much younger player. You already have him kind of long-term on a deal for, I think, the next three or four years. So you don't really have to worry about re-signing him or dealing with a franchise tag or anything. Whereas Aaron Rodgers, I think he only has a handful of years left, one or two True. maybe. And then at that point, he's, what, 39, 40 years old? It's just no. uh, – and then you kind of re-enter the cycle. So, Yeah, but I, the, uh, the only difference thing- – that surprised me thus far is uh, that really um, we Aaron Rodgers hasn't accelerated this. Um, yeah, this is a, it's a stalemate. Um, it has to get uglier before things can actually be kind of accelerated and forced one way or another. Um, and I expected the war of words to continue a little earlier, so you could accelerate exactly what Henry's talking about not showing up at training camp and all that. Like these are public statements that can already be made so that like wow. everyone's cards are already on the table. And well, I guess it's sure not happening. coming period. Yeah. Could be. Um, uh, yeah. I do feel like he has like, like he said, he isn't going to go back and play there. Like he's wearing the shirts that say all the things that they say whenever he shows up. Like I just don't think you get much more out of Aaron Rodgers other than what you've gotten from him. But, uh, oh, there was something else that somebody said that was interesting. I can't remember what it was. Oh, well. We'll be, you can think oh, of the it. Oh, right the The difference between Aaron Rodgers, though, to me, is that he's just proven that he is like, like, there's a difference between top five all-time quarterback and top five quarterback right now. And with Aaron Rodgers, you put him on this team, you say, yeah, we are a Super Bowl contender because Aaron Rodgers, wherever he is, Super Bowl contender. Deshaun Watson hasn't quite gotten over that threshold to me. It's like, yeah, he's really good, but that's why in a vacuum I take Rodgers over Watson just because you know that you're you're a contender for those five years, even if the five years after you have to figure something else out. Yeah, that's fair. It's just that you you're kind of in this cycle of just getting veteran quarterbacks and only having three, four years of stability, and then yeah. kind of having to figure it out yeah. again. We're going to hit a quick break and uh, we'll be back with the final needs on the back end of the roster and any other points we want to make here. Breaking news. Important PSA from our man, Hank, brought to you by Manscaped.com. All right. Yeah, it is breaking news. I think we've we've actually probably broken this news like four or five times now, Mm, but the lawnmower 4.0 is out and we're breaking that news again. Uh, if you haven't got your hands on one yet, then I honestly feel bad for you. Uh, it is a great tool and something that I, I don't know how I go through life without it. Um, they, the engineering team did confirm they have the lawnmower 4.0. It's available for purchase in the United States and in Canada. And you can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Uh, and you get to use this exclusive offer 20% off free worldwide shipping. We know that there's a bunch of you out there who aren't from the United States. Free worldwide shipping with that 20% off when you use the code DNBR at manscaped.com. 
Their advanced ceramic blade skin safe technology is so good that it almost seemed as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as possible. Uh, what makes this trimmer different than all the other trimmers? Well, there's a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. Uh, funny story about that. I could not figure out what was going on. Turns out I had turned the travel lock on. You got to triple click the button, turn it back on. Um, it's a great tool. One that confused me for a second. Um, but again, it's great for people who like to travel. It's, it's small, it's lightweight, but it has a lot of power. Uh, you can turn on the 4000K LED spotlight when needed for a more precise shave. Precise shave. Uh, the new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes one to four. Uh, looks wise, like I said, it's sleek, two-toned matte. Uh, it's a gloss finish that even features a hot foil stand back chrome Manscaped logo. You get to show that mower off loud and proud. Um, wireless charging technology using electromagnetic induction that makes the battery last longer. Um, and if you're uh, still trimming your face with what you use to trim your balls, it's time to make a change. So get 20% off the free shipping with the code DMVR at manscaped.com. Nobody wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. Your balls will thank you. Extremely dangerous. Do not trim your balls with what you trim your face. Do not. Yeah. Um, that goes against doctor's orders. Okay. I want to revisit the edge conversation because that's the next need for me. I would argue the importance of edge rusher, the lack of depth. I had it over inside linebacker. The injury uh, Chubb's coming off of. The fact that Malik Reed, yes, productive, but even like a three-down starter in this league, I'm not quite sure. Um, it's ahead of inside linebacker. It would be ahead of... Uh, it would be ahead of a uh, corner for me. I mean, so yeah, to me, it's crucial. And you've got some stuff to figure out with um, Chubb because a great rookie year, but now we got to figure out where do you go from there? Um, Malik Reed's going to be hard to evaluate. We saw this with Shaq Barrett before when you're the third edge, it's a tough eval to make. Um, and then Vaughn, we're just going to see see what he has left in the tank and what this team's realistic aspirations are. And if those line up with a veteran of his caliber staying on for a few more years to win. Um, but I, I think that's, you know, it's it's what this defense has been built around for the last 10 years. I mean, since Vaughn Miller's been drafted, this defense has been built around edge rushers, whether it was Elvis and Vaughn, Demarcus Ware and Vaughn, Bradley Chubb and Vaughn. That's been the deal. And they've drafted guys like Shane Ray in the first round in between that. They've had guys pass through like Shaq Barrett in between that. Um, and obviously the stud is Kayvon Thibodeau in this class, like Evan Neal, like some of the quarterbacks, like Stingley would have to be a disastrous season for the Broncos to be able to even sniff. A guy His of, numbers are so crazy, though. Oh, just like before you move on real quick, I just had it in my nose just because. Like, obviously, they're not going to be in the Thibodeau range, like you said, unless something goes crazy. He only played seven games. He had 25 solo tackles, 42 total, nine and a half for loss, and three sacks. He's a freak. He's a freak. Oh. And I mean, what a, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, top 15 pick. 
ate him up. Yeah, I mean, nasty, the kind of stuff he put on. Um, Had me questioning whether Vera Tucker was even a tackle. That was like the game where I was like, actually, he's probably a guard. After an insane season in the Pac-12 at tackle. Yeah, no, he's a... He's something pretty special. And then, uh, you know, my guy, Adam Anderson's up there. You have, I mean, you have some studs. Christopher Allen at Bama, Xavier Thompson at Clemson. The, you know, the Washington kid who hurt his ACL, we'll see him. Mij Sanders out of Cincy is really good. Ohio State's going to have several guys that we'll keep an eye on. Tyreek Smith, kind of the one with the most hype. Um Geez, I'm seeing Scott Patchen on some lists, uh, Justin. Aiden Hutchinson? Patchen, you're worried about his age a little bit just because he's been in college for like seven years or something at this point. Um, but, I mean, he's about as productive as it gets. He, you look at some of his numbers last year. Boise State, San Diego State, two of the better offensive lines uh, in the Mountain West, and he was manhandling them. He was, they were having to completely change what they were doing just to deal with Patchen. So I'd love he- to see him get some looks. He'd be a stand-up edge, right? Yeah. And I would, I would assume. Yeah. 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 Don't and forget I mean, about Drake Jackson at USC, too. He's yeah. going to be right up there with all of them. Well, in Purdue, George um, Carlofatis, uh, you know, he, he missed last year. But you look at his stats from 19, they're otherworldly for a 270-pound kid who moves pretty naturally around the edge. So arguably, maybe the most stacked class in 22. Um, and it lines up for when, what the Broncos are looking for. Jake, what do you think about Aiden Hutchison? He's a, just what Dre talked about 2019 guys. He's another one of those guys that really popped in 2019. I think he got hurt last year, but he kind of fell back into just like a mix of guys. What's his ceiling? Um, I'd say fairly high. I mean, Michigan's kind of built this track record now of these edge rushers that can come in and, you know, Taco Charlton really didn't do much, but I mean, Rashawn Gary, uh, Frank Clark, there's an assortment of guys that have come out of Michigan that have really made an impact. And he's really long and really strong. Um, athleticism wise, I mean, I haven't seen anything that's really wowed me yet, but he's a guy that can definitely play. Um, I keep on going back to that Minnesota game last year for these Michigan guys. I mean, he really dominated in that performance, but then after that, there wasn't much. So, um, I'm glad he came back, though. I think he can really, really improve his stock this year. There are times he almost looks like a Bosa or a Wah. Yeah, he's just, he's he's just got like one of those absurd frames. He looks like one of those dudes that should just be able to manhandle people. Long. And we did much. Like Zach Harrison at Ohio State too. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. Dre. I mentioned there's going to be a couple of them. He's kind of been playing behind some of the other guys over these last couple of years, but. Another guy with great frame, uh, 20 total tackles last year, four and a half for loss, a couple of sacks. Some of these programs, it's like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. You just assume they're going to be nasty in the trenches. Like whoever's up next in line, probably just going to be the next cog in the machine. 100%. And we talked about Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, put on that Rashawn Slater tape. Yeah, he might have had some good snaps against Chase Young early on, but. Later in the game, the backups really ate him up, and it's it's exactly the dudes Justin just mentioned. Um, Rashawn Slater, Los Angeles Charger, never forget. Yeah, Malik Reed also expires. So big decisions to be made at edge and kind of a prime class to take advantage of that talent. Um, 
staying in the trenches, my final need would be defensive line. And if it's a big year for Bradley the same Chubb, three needs, Dre. <laughs> Just one. Two, I mean, excluding quarterback, which I think everybody favors right. like the one if it doesn't work out. Offensive tackle, edge, defensive tackle, like defensive line. Well, and I mean, it's great they signed Shelby on. This is a massive year for Draymond Jones. Massive. If it's a big year yeah. for, for Bradley Chubb, it's a big year for Draymond Jones. And after that, yeah, I mean, McTelvin and Gene, there are some guys that might have you intrigued, but you got to figure out some stalwarts. You you really want to start competing against the Kansas City Chiefs? Go back to the Super Bowl and see what worked. It's dominating in the trenches, man. Um, you got you got to have D linemen next to Shelby Harris that can carry their own weight. Um, so that's going to be big. And I tell you, man, we got excited about the depth at quarterback corner edge offensive tackle even we're in a drought folks defensive line drought right now last year was the worst uh, class i've studied in a long while this year is going to be the same it's going to be a lot of conversations of well is can i can i put another 10 pounds on drake jackson and turn him into a five tech can i do that with aiden hutchinson um because the pure hutchinson the pure D tackles. That's where I prefer him. Uh, the, I, I like the the uh, the little combo they got at Georgia, but I don't think either of those dudes have round one upside. Um, and after that, man, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, and a great great example of why we're at this point is someone like Aaron uh, Alfano, right, Henry? Antonio Alfano. Antonio Alfano. How many names can we call him? Aaron, Antonio, Anthony. Yeah, double A. There you go. Um, you know, top top D line recruit in the country goes to Alabama, dominates spring practice, off field stuff. Never quite get on the field. Transfers to CU, same thing. Um, yeah. And you know, sometimes the big boys get lost on the way. Um, that's just what happens. So I, I think we're really at. So again. It's a big year for Draymond Jones, and you're helping you're, you get something out of McTelvin and Gene, and you're hel- hoping that maybe the way you have out of Mike Purcell or Deshaun Williams, you can find some street free agents who can contribute because uh, the future ain't so bright at the interior D-line position, I guess is what I'm saying. As thin as this class is, DeMarvin Leal out of Texas A&M, I like him better than anybody that came out this past year. He's miles above anybody on my list right now for for that interior 64 290 moves well laterally for somebody that's that big but he's like a bull coming through the trenches great call he's been really consistent like two years now it has stayed on the field 75 total tackles 12 and a half for a loss what i really like about him though is he's got some shelby harris in him he's really active with his hands gets a lot of pass deflections yeah. i mean that's a big part of the modern game like that's when i look at a guy who's played for two three years played a lot of snaps and they only have like one pass deflection. That's a big red flag to me. This is a guy who's done it consistently. He's got after the quarterback. He's made plays in the run game. He might go too high just because there's not going to be a lot of good interior defensive linemen, but I, I really like Leal's upside. And another guy who's a bit of a hybrid, like I think four, three fronts, he's yeah. probably a true D end, but you're right. I love him as a five tech. Only question for me is that initial burst. 
rarely wins off that first step. But, bro, he's got like cement, like foundations as his ass. So, like, dudes just don't move him. So he's just like, he keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. Eventually, he's going to break through and he's going to do some stuff. Like, you just don't move him. So, even if he's not winning initially, he's always there. He's a force. And then, man, we're going to have some fun with that squad. Like, period. Um, so that's our final needs, Justin and I, Jake, Henry, anything we haven't touched on? No, we fit it all. My last was going to be in the secondary, and uh, you guys covered that. So I, I honestly, overall, it's not that bad of a position that they're in, which isn't a surprise when you look at the roster, but like, Sure, there's free agents you got to bring back. But then you remember, like, you threw $13 million at Kyle Fuller for one year, and you get to throw that wherever you want, whether it's Kyle Fuller somewhere else next year. Like, they're just in a really good situation, I think, overall, although there are certainly needs. No. Yeah, I think we hit all the big ones. Uh, Two more that I think just need to be considered. Yeah. Uh, running back with Melvin Gordon expiring and just, absolutely, you know, with Javante Williams, I love him so much, but I totally. think, I mean, we talked about this coming into the draft last year. They really need that like re- true receiving back. I feel like a third down presence. Um, you know, maybe you get one of those hybrid receiver running back guys. I still think that's just a position that needs to be addressed. And then to go along with that wide receiver, um, Sutton and Patrick set to be free agents. It's true. The hope is, I mean, it would be a disaster if both of them left. Um, if yep. you bring at least one back, I think you're still doing okay, though. But you might want to add someone else to the room. Well, and just in case, last two drafts, Tyree Cleveland, Seth Williams, like that, yep. that big outside receiver, just in case you've got some high upside dudes on that Jackson. roster. But you're right. I mean, you are right, Jake. It would be disastrous to leave, lose both of those guys. And then your top wide receivers are are the little shifty dudes in Judy Hamler. Um, that would not be ideal all of a sudden. And yeah, I'm, I'm, they're counting on Mike Boone. They are counting on Mike Boone. Yeah. And if Mike Boone isn't able to have that breakout, if Melvin Gordon's kind of the same dude, and if Javante Williams, look, we, we hype, we, you need to expect immediate contributions from rookie running backs. Doesn't always happen like that. I, I don't need to s- tell a fan base that's witnessed Monty Ball and, you know, uh, some other disappointing. No, Sean Moreno. Sure. Royce five Freeman. years before he finally figured it out. 100%. Royce Freeman, Ronnie Hillman. I mean, we were excited for a lot of these guys and thought they could, uh, they could kind of get going early on and it never quite happened. And even if it does happen for Javante, Dude runs so hard and nasty. You kind of got to protect him by adding someone and making him a back by committee or he's going to burn out in like three years. Um, So, yeah, running back, especially in the draft, you're always looking for opportunities. And on top of like the Broncos having their history with running backs, like you just look at what happened with last year's running backs. First three rounds, you've got uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon, Keyshawn Vaughn. Zach Moss, Darren Evans, like half of those guys contributed. None of them contributed in the first half of the season, though. Yeah, not great, Bob. <laughs> yeah, not great. That very that, possibility. That list is not exciting. Nope. The names Henry just gave us don't like. Um, and yet I was high on many of those dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of them figured some things out late in the year. 
But still, like if that's yeah. what you're looking at with running backs, the don't get too high on Javante. Don't don't get don't get yourself too worked up so you're just ready to be disappointed. And who knows, maybe by late September we're doing a segment that's uh revisiting those names and how all those dudes really kicked it into gear in year two. And it's why we need to not freak out about Javante Williams' slow start, you know. Yeah. Um who they, the beauty of this stuff is it's constantly evolving and changing. So yeah, you expect immediate contributors from the running game of running backs, but as the passing game becomes more important and your ability as a receiver and pass blocker becomes more important, that does put a little more stress on raw rookie running backs, you know? So it's always, uh, there's a real ebb and flow and yin and yang and balance to that. Um, so there you, I, I think we, we truly empty the clip with those last two, um, we got every center position. out there just because, because I mean, look, man, Lloyd Cushenberry, he's got to step it up. I think Quinn Miners is better suited to be a guard just with his frame. If if Cush struggles, it wouldn't be shocking. And there's going to be a couple of decent ones coming out. I mean, including the the kid that Linderbaum at Iowa that followed up Cushenberry. So mm. if he doesn't live up to expectations, wouldn't be shocking. I yeah. guess the thing I learned the most from this exercise is that I think tight end is probably the best overall position in terms of ability to play today and for the future. For sure. And I hate it because I love this tight end class. There's going to be some really awesome ones. Damn, that's yeah. a good point. But really also, the with only that, one we haven't brought up. You do still have, like, including this year, three years left with Graham Glasgow. You could slide him into center. Yeah. Moody is what I think he's going to be. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's just, there's, there's more possibilities on the offensive line because they've invested in it for a few years. On and the interior, yes. Great investments. Yeah. Like when you look at tackle, you still like no. has to be kicks out if anybody does. Exactly. Right. And 34 in charms. Like totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he all American level uh yeah. right tackle in the Big Twelve, but there there were times in the, the biggest matchups like Mississippi State where Montez Sweat really gave him some struggles. So mm. And, and, you know, I think we all agree. We feel like Reisner could be a top 10 guard in the league. Right tackle, I yeah. think you're lowering that ceiling quite a bit. But if it means he could be an average tackle at best. And I, I just don't know if he moves quick maybe. enough. Yeah. Maybe. But, but yeah, at the same time, if you can move him out there and put Moody in his spot instead of, say, Bobby Massey doesn't work out. I think there's worlds where you try it, and I think there's definitely worlds where you really like what you find, too. I am not against that. It's it's just going to be interesting to watch all year. It's not going to be... I would yeah. be very surprised if the Broncos started five guys at the five positions for 17 games. <laughs> Agreed. Take that to the bank. Yeah, minus 10,000. That's still worth yeah. <laughs> Um Guys, this was great. Um, thank you for taking the time. Thank you all for listening. And we, as always, will be back next week. It's almost July, so that college football season getting closer and closer. I think we'll have some fun with some preview stuff. Looking forward to the schedule and some of the matchups to really look forward to and what have you. You guys stay in touch. Holler at us with any questions. We'll be checking in on those and what have you. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week.